Hi there, I'm Maddie and I serve on the Joy Production team. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Through taking the time to listen to this message, we pray you'll not only come to know more about God, but you'll come to know more about yourself as well. Once again, thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy today's message. Welcome to Joy Christian Center. We're glad that you're here. I'm Pastor Brian. Uh, if this is your first time or one of your first times, uh, we call ourselves a family church teaching people to reach their world. And uh, for 28 years almost, in about a month, will be 28 years uh, as a church. Amen. Amen. Some of you weren't even born yet. Some of you were just barely born. Others of you, you know, uh, you were born. And uh, <laughs> like myself. And, uh, you know, it's always been surprising to a certain extent what God continues to do. Um, I, I remember one of our first Sundays, I said, I'm excited, I'm just so excited, and I've never not been excited about what God wants to do and is, is doing among us, and, uh, you know, every, every, every week, it seems like, every month, we're, we're attaining more and more of the vision that God has for us. This last week was just a tremendous week. I want to give a shout out to Pastor Tim and Teresa, uh, to the ministry team. Give them a great big hand. Um, Over, over 60 volunteers plus the ministry team that you saw last Sunday, if you were here, uh, who did a tremendous job. They ministered to a bunch of kids this last week, uh, over about 400 kids that checked in, over 100 that were you know, each individual unique child and uh, averaged about 100 kids a night. 40 kids made Jesus the Lord of their life. Uh, some of those kids a couple of times, praise God. <laughs> and... Uh, but this is what we believe. It's seed sown. Amen. It, it is seed sown in the hearts and in the lives of, 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 of kids that are ready and ripe to, to receive the word of God. And I appreciate them. I appreciate the ministry that they carried out this week. And all of you who, who shared, who served your time, your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your finances, all of the things that, that, that happened. This is a heart's desire that we have to minister effectively to children because we believe that, you know, not just almost... I believe the children are the future. No, they're the t today. Amen? They're, they're the today. And uh, we believe that we are a family church that's teaching people to reach their world. And those kids brought kids. Those kids had the word of God planted in their heart and life. And I truly believe that children and teenagers will learn things that will help them to be prepared in life, prepared against the enemy. How many of you as adults know that sometimes you got to unlearn some stuff that you wish you didn't have to unlearn? Anyone? You had things happen in your life that had you known better, you wouldn't have done it. Well, I believe that our kids are getting taught the word of God. The Bible tells us that if we would raise our children in the way they should go, that when they're old, they won't depart from it. And, and it may start as a seed. And so... Again, thank you, and thank you, Joy Christian Center, for, for helping us to make that happen this last week. It's awesome. I want to begin a series that we're calling It, it, it Matters. Everybody say it matters. I, I, there's a phrase that I heard one time. It said, if everything matters, then nothing matters. If everything is important, then nothing is important. And, and yet, I think that sometimes we lose sight of the things that matter because they are either too risky we lose sight of what matters because of uh, it seems too small. Uh, we lose sight of what matters because we kind of have everything figured out. And, and I said a couple of weeks ago, if you remember this, and I kind of look at today as sort of a hinge between where we were and, and where we're going. And, and uh, if you've not been here the last couple of weeks or if you're new to Joy, we teach in series. I, I like to spend a couple, of, two to five weeks on a, on a topic and, and teach in series format just to kind of build line upon line and precept upon precept. And a couple of weeks ago, we 
we did a little series called Living Beyond, and, and really it was living beyond <clears throat> our feelings, living beyond our emotions, living beyond what we may think, what we may see. And I, I, I use this definition of faith, that faith is, is the, op- the opposite of faith is having everything figured out. The opposite of faith is to have it all figured out to the point that, that <clears throat> I don't need anything bigger than myself because I got it figured out. I don't need anything greater than my own ability because I have it pretty well figured out that this is what I can do, this is what I can't do, this is what I can expect, this is what I can't expect. I have it all figured out. This is all that I will ever get. And in the series Living Beyond, we began to learn some things about faith, that faith in God's word, faith in God's ability is greater than our present circumstances. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, he said that we walk by faith not by what we see with our eyes. This is the New Living Translation, or the, the Passion Translation. We walk by faith, not by what we see with our eyes. Now, what we see, what we feel, what we experience, those things are true. And we talked about that a little bit, that, that there is truth in those things, but there's a higher truth. There's a greater truth. There's a, there's a more powerful power that God has for us. And so I want to I take this a, a, a little bit farther because I'm, I'm really kind of working towards a point and, and it's really this question that we've asked the last couple of weeks is, does your faith have a purpose that is bigger than you or beyond you? Does your faith have a purpose greater than you or beyond you? Are you stretching yourself? Are you pressing yourself in prayer, in life, beyond where you have everything figured out, beyond what you can control, beyond what is, is in your world view? Because I think that's where God wants us. To, in fact, I know that's where God wants us to live. He wants us to live beyond what we th- maybe think. Because he said, I can do all things. He's able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we would ask or think. God lives beyond what you think. Now, let me ask you a quick question this morning. And, and, and this is the participation part of the service. I know this is first service. You guys are always really quiet. And, 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 but, but help me out here this morning. I don't know why you're quiet in church because I know you're not quiet in life. But uh, you're quiet in here. And so let me ask you a quick question. If, if, if a Martian or a, a UFO landed on planet Earth and, and maybe walked into a church and they heard something about the kingdom of God and wondered, what is the kingdom of God? How would you define the greatness and the glory and the power? How would you, what, what would be some words that you would use to define the kingdom of God? Anyone? Powerful. What? Ever-present. Everlasting. What are some other words that you would use? Awesome. I like that. But what? Grace, full of grace. Magnificent love. Anyone else? Strong. Now we're finally getting there. You're almost acting like second service. This is awesome. All right. Usually they talk before they even ask them to talk. But anyway, <laughs> thank you for being polite. Anyone else this morning? What else is the kingdom of God? It's like a seed. It's truth. Merciful. What? It's inside us. Authentic love, as opposed to the plastic banana, phony baloney love. <laughs> well, one day Jesus was, 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 was talking to a bunch of people. And as he was talking to a bunch of people, and as a communicator myself, I, as I've read this, I've seen, I, I think that, and I like to put myself in his sandals and who he's talking to, and I, I like to imagine what was going on. And I can see Jesus as a communicator. He'd been talking about some things, and, and as he was talking, I think he sensed they're not getting it. 
They don't fully understand. They, they, they don't fully appreciate what it is that I'm trying to tell them. And so in Mark chapter 4 and verse 30, Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? And I sort of see Jesus almost under his breath, man, how can I help these people get it? Uh, they aren't understanding. They, they aren't getting it. What can I use? What illustration? What object lesson? How can I help people understand what the kingdom of God? He said, what story should I use to illustrate it? Now, what Jesus chose to do, obviously, in explaining the kingdom of God is different than what almost all of us thought when we were describing the kingdom of God. Because when we think about the kingdom of God, we think of his greatness, of his glory, the weight of his presence and the majestic power of his presence and his grace and his love. We think about all of those things. And I kind of think Jesus knew that would be the default because these people had a history of you know, Solomon's temple and the reign of David's kingdom and all these other things. And, and I think Jesus knew that that would be their default, their answer, that because they were so locked into what they had seen or heard from their past. And here Jesus was coming to them to present to them something that was truth, something that was big, but it was beyond them. And so Jesus said, how can I help them understand? And then he said in verse 31 of Mark 4, he said, this is what the kingdom of God is. Verse 31, please. It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. <laughs> it is the smallest of all seeds. One of us got it right. <clears throat> what is the kingdom of God? It's like a seed. Now, I think that a lot of times when we think about this, this is a, another one of those areas that if you've been in church for a while or if you've been in this church, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I get that. I understand that. I, I, I want you to go beyond that this morning. I want you to, I, I, I really want you to, to, to consider a couple of things today because when Jesus was talking, he said, here's what the kingdom of God is like. It's like a seed. In fact, it's not like any seed. It is like the smallest seed. It's like a familiar seed. It's a seed that you're well acquainted with. And he's trying to get some things over to them about seeds and about how the kingdom of God operates. And then he, he, he had just talked about some things, and, and uh, actually, uh, Angela had kind of shared a couple of things along this same line before uh, she re helped with the offering this morning. And, uh, but, but the thing about the kingdom of God, he said, it's, it's like a seed, and, and seeds aren't big. Seeds aren't defined. You don't know necessarily. You have an idea of what a seed will become. And really, faith, we said this a couple of weeks ago, that faith has the ability to see the seed, but also understand the harvest that is going to come. Faith is the ability to look at the seed in your hand and realize that there is a harvest that is on the way, to realize that there is something powerful that is in that seed that is going to produce something in life. Every, every seed in God's kingdom is, is wired, it is designed, it is, it is empowered or impregnated to produce a harvest. Every seed is designed to produce a harvest. In Galatians chapter 3 or chapter 5, the Apostle Paul said, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap. Whatever you plant, you will harvest. It's a principle of life that works. And so Jesus, right before he had said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. In verse 26, Jesus also said, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. This is not too deep, right? Night and day, 
while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows. Look at this. But he does not understand how it happens. Do you realize that when you say, I don't get it, God, I don't understand, you're in the presence of the kingdom of God? How many of you have ever thought, God, I don't know what's going on? Anyone? Guess what? Could very well be you're in the presence of the kingdom of God. Because he said, this is the way the kingdom works. You plant seeds and it begins to grow, but you don't have a clue how or why. This is why I've been stressing living beyond what you can define, living beyond what you can understand, living beyond is faith in God, beyond your circumstances, beyond what's going on, beyond what you understand, beyond what you can feel, beyond what you can see. He said, this is the kingdom of God. You see, we have this idea that when we talk about the kingdom of God, which it is, it is great and it is awesome and it is powerful, but he wants you to understand how it works. He goes on. He says, it does not understand how it happens. It is working. The seed is working whether you see it working or not, whether you know it's working or not, or if you understand how it's working. And then he says, the earth produces the crop on its own. And then Jesus introduces something that throws us. Jesus introduces something that we probably don't like. How many of you know that we all like the harvest? We like it when, when God does something and it's like, wow, he showed up in my life. And, and, and maybe something we've been believing for or praying for and asking God for, something that we, and, and all of a sudden it happens. How many of you remember this little nugget from a few months ago? Where does the promise live? On the other side of the process. The promise lives on the other side of the process. We have to endure the process to get to the promise. We have to endure the seed being planted in the ground, not understanding anything. We have to, un we have to endure. The Remember what a harvest is? We think, woohoo, harvest. Harvest is what? Work. Harvest is work. Everybody say work. Look at the person next and say work. You see, we, we want to sit on our blessed assurances, and we want to just sit back and, okay, God, just move. Okay, God, do whatever you want. I'll just be over here in the corner just waiting for you to do something. <clears throat> that wasn't in my notes. <laughs> so Jesus introduces something that we may or may not like, we may or may not appreciate, we may or may not even understand. He said, the earth produces the crop on its own. First, a blade pushes through. Do you know that a seed is at its most vulnerable when you don't see anything happening? A seed is the, the most vulnerable before it ever begins to push its way through the ground. And there's a lot of things that have to happen before that seed even begins to push its way through. Conditions have to be met. Things have to happen. And then that seed begins to work. And then he said, first the blade pushes through. Then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain, finally, finally the grain ripens. But even then, there's something that has to happen. As soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. There is a process, the seed that you don't understand, that you don't know, that you don't see sometimes. There's a process it has to go through before you ever get to the harvest. But when it's ripe and it's ready, then the farmer thrusts in the sickle, and the harvest happens. Now, I know that we understand how a seed works. I think we understand this process in a general form. Those of you that are farmers, those of you that are, 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 are horticulturalists, 
Those of you that, uh, Shelly and I, we plant like three tomato plants and, and, and believe that we're going to have a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich in August. That's the extent of our growing things. I buy the biggest tomato plant. Actually, we don't even have a garden this year. But I buy the biggest tomato plant I can, stick it in the ground, water it, and, you know, hope for the best. That's, that's as far as I go with that. I know others of you are far more advanced in that. And I, you know, that's awesome. <laughs> we understand how seeds work. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, there's a disconnect. Because we're thinking big. We're thinking powerful. We're thinking awesome. And Jesus is knowing that these people are thinking the same thing. They're thinking Solomon's temple. They're thinking, they're thinking restoring everything, and they're missing the main point, that the kingdom of God operates like a seed. And there's patience required in a seed. And sometimes that seed, like a mustard seed, is so small. It is undefined, and, and, and it, it doesn't seem like it is big enough and that it is taking so long. And Jesus said, if you understand about that, that about a seed, then you will understand that about the kingdom of God, that sometimes the promises of God seem small. Sometimes the presence of God doesn't seem big enough. Sometimes it seems like God is taking so stinking long. And we got a schedule, doggone it. Come on, God. <laughs> sometimes in prayer, we dig up the seed. Anything happening? God, I, I prayed yesterday. I just said amen. How come nothing's happening? Have patience. Have the patience of a farmer, Paul told Timothy. The purpose of the seed is to produce a harvest. And so, again, Jesus was asking the question. He's, I think, kind of almost talking to himself, how can I illustrate this? How can I help people see this? How can I help them understand and know? Verse 31, again, Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? He said, it's like a mustard seed that's planted in the ground. It is the smallest. Everybody say smallest. It is the smallest of all seeds. But it becomes the largest of all the garden plants. It grows long branches, and birds can make nests in its shade. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest plant. It is the smallest, but it becomes the largest. The essence of faith and living beyond is, is, is this idea or perhaps this thought that if we could capture it, that it might seem small right now. It might seem undefined right now. It might seem insignificant right now, but it is a seed, and I'm planting that seed in the ground, in the soil of my life, in the soil of my heart, and I'm going to let my faith frame what I'm seeing instead of looking around at other things things that don't seem to be happening. I'm going to trust the process of the seed and the season and the process that God has me in right now. I'm planting the seed, but I'm not going to step away from it. I'm going to water it in prayer. I'm going to water it in, in teaching and having my, built, my faith built up on God's word, trusting that eventually that seed is going to produce in my life. And he said, it is the smallest but it becomes the largest. And what I like about that is it doesn't just become the largest so that I can have a harvest. It becomes the largest so that other, in this illustration that Jesus uses, other animals can then partake of the fruit or the shade or what has been produced. Seeds produce a harvest. And if you know anything about a harvest, generally, in fact, I know this about this church and I know this about many of you in the fall. There will be cucumbers, tomatoes, and what's the other thing that there's always a ton of? Eggplant or? Zucchini. That's what it is. There will be boxes of them that will show up at our church. Do you know why? Because when something 
creates or produces a harvest, there's usually more than what you can use. Let me say that one more time because that was really good. <laughs> I didn't intend to say it like that. I hope I can remember what I said. When you get a harvest, generally speaking, that harvest is greater than, it is bigger than, it is more than you yourself can use. That is a part of the kingdom of God. God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to have stuff. He wants you to have provision. He wants to nourish you. He wants to do those things. But God is a God that doesn't just add to you. God is a God that multiplies. He creates more than you can use. But what's the more for? The more is for you to plant seed then in the heart and life of others. It starts from a seed. And can I tell you this morning, seeds matter. Even though you may not even understand what that seed is or what that seed is going to produce. And that's one thing that to me is different when it comes to the kingdom of God. The process is the same. The kingdom of God versus Natural farming or seed planting. We know that a corn seed is going to produce corn. A kernel of corn is going to produce corn. We know that broccoli, whatever those seeds look like, is going to produce broccoli. We know that wheat is going to produce wheat. We know that. There are times that we are doing good in the kingdom of God. There are times that we're taking steps in the kingdom of God. We're planting seed, but we don't exactly know. Now, there is where Jesus talked. He said, you know, <clears throat> he's basically talking about you sow what you, you reap what you sow. And he was saying, don't judge, lest you be judged. He said, show mercy so that you can get mercy back. Give and it shall be given to you. He, he said, there's a process. You, you know that if you plant seeds of love, there should be a harvest of love returned. It may not be the way that you think, but if you plant good works, good works come back. If you plant strife, if you plant you know, uh, uh, things of the flesh, then you're going to get fruit back based on the seed that you planted. But sometimes you plant seeds and, and, and you don't exactly know what harvest is going to come back. Sometimes you just take a step in following the Spirit of God. That's a seed. It's a seed. You don't know how your words of kindness to somebody could be a seed planted in their life. And you may go on your way and think that was odd. That was a strange exchange. Or it might just have been, you know, this whole random acts of kindness kind of a thing. You know, hey, I'm going to buy somebody something. You don't know. You do not know what that seed could produce. You don't know what other seeds have been planted in that person's life. The apostle Paul said, said I planted and Apollos watered, but God gives, gives the increase. God's in charge of the seed. He's in charge of the process and he's in charge of the fruit bearing and the harvest. Our job is to plant the seed. Now, I, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about something because I read something a long time ago and it said the world, will, in fact, it's on a little sticky and it's on my wall and it says this, the world will never be changed by the things that we're gonna do later. The world will never be changed by the things that we're gonna do later. <sighs> And, and I want to say it like this. The world will never be changed by the seeds that we're going to plant later. And what stops us from planting seeds? What stops us from taking steps? Many times it's because it seems too small. It seems too insignificant. It, it, it seems like not enough compared to what, what is going on. Or we look at our own selves and say, man, we can't. It, it is too big. Now, let me share with you something that is going on with Joy to the World. For those of you that maybe have not been around here, Joy to the World is something that we began several years ago started one way. It was a seed, if you will. And, and <clears throat> my heart in this, in fact, I'll use this, this phrase, makes some people uncomfortable. My heart in this is extreme radical generosity. 
I think, I think that the body of Christ, Christ followers should be some of the most extremely generous people on planet earth. Some of you are unconvinced. That's okay. If I was in your shoes, I might be also because you don't know what's coming next. It's like before I get too crazy, I'm going to wait, you know, we've already taken the offering. There are no special offerings planned today. All right? Not going to ask you for anything. You want to know why I'm not asking you for anything? Because many of you have already given. So joy to the world is something that we began several years ago with really my heart was to get the church outside the church. It's to be a blessing to other churches that were like a church that we pastored, Shelly and I pastored in Pennsylvania, that was really small. And if we just had a little bit of help, there were so many things that could have happened. And I want to help churches like that. I want us as a congregation to press the borders of our own generosity. And so every fall, we do a Joy to the World offering. We ask people to invest $49.95. And the reason that we do that is because we believe that everybody can do more than someone can. Amen? It is harnessing the body of Christ in a way that we move together easily and rhythmically with each other, fully efficient and grace in response to what God's done in our lives and in our hearts out of our appreciation. And so it is something that we've done. We've blessed churches. We've helped churches start other churches. We've done a lot of incredible things that I couldn't do, you couldn't do, but we can. And so I want to introduce something you've been hearing about and uh, on July 13th, we're, we're, we're doing what we're calling right now Joy Serve Day. This is not unique to Joy. Uh, uh, there, there are literally churches all over the world that on July 13th will be stepping into their communities and they will be doing, I don't even like to call it random acts of kindness, but they're going to be doing specific projects. As July 13th, I'm asking all of us, the many of us, to Get involved in serving in our community. And uh, if you go ahead and put that next one up there, um, literally churches all over the world. These are churches that are participating. It looks like one big blob down in the southeast, and uh, we're somewhere up there in the middle uh, uh, in the United States. But all over the world on July 13th, the body of Christ is going to be stepping into, into communities, serving in our community. Now, I want to get to my notes quick. I haven't even used them yet. No. <laughs> Here's, here's what's kind of interesting. July 14th is our 28th anniversary, so we'll be celebrating on that Sunday, but um, not really celebrating, celebrating. I don't know what we're going to do. We'll do something fun. But we're joining with a bunch of churches across our community and, and across our country to do this thing called Serve Day. Let me talk to you very quickly about another seed that we planted a few years ago. We've begun to develop a partnership with, uh, I don't know if it's a partnership, but we're, we're support, uh, supportive of Benton County Sheriffs. Um, we, we, uh, brought, we helped stock their, you helped stock their break room. We gave them a couple of cured coffee makers. We, every month we bring coffee out there. We gave them Cuisinart uh, you know, ovens and stuff like that. We brought food out there. We brought a bunch of Chick-fil-A out there. And it's kind of funny because their response is like, wait, what, what, why, how, what, how come? And it's like, because we just want you to know that there's a group of people that appreciate what you do. You're not forgotten, and we're praying for you. Thank you so much. And, and, and they, you know, they, they patrol us a little better, I think, every once in a while. I'll see them, you know, in the parking lot and uh, um, eating a donut. No, I couldn't resist. Sorry, they weren't. <laughs> 
No, they, they, they serve and they protect and we want them. And, and really it was a heart of something being done because at the particular moment that we began to do that, there was some stuff that was happening in our country uh, uh, where, where it, it appeared, you know, the whole Blue Lives Matter and, and man, it, it, you know, there's just a lot of stuff and police officers were really really being taken advantage of to a certain degree, and, and there's a lot of stuff, and it's like, okay, we can't do everything, we can't solve every problem, but doggone it, we can do something, amen? And so we, we, we just wanted them to know that we love them. And so through that relationship, through that seed planted, um, we began to look, how can, we, how can we make a significant difference in our community? What could we do as a church? And, and it's always kind of funny when we have these conversations with people because they don't quite understand the scope of what is in our heart to do. And they're like, well, you know, you could cut grass, you could rake leaves, you could pull weeds, you could do those kinds of things. And I'm like, no, that's not what we're looking for. And so... Uh, the, the Benton County Sheriff, Troy Heck, um, he's, he's a part of the Duelm, Duelm uh, Park and Rec, thank you. And uh, they said, you know, we, we got a project that, that we're really trying to get done. And um, the project is basically this. They, they are going to, in fact, Jeremiah, Jeremiah played softball over there at the, at the fields there uh, back when he was a young man. And uh, he's still young, but he's not as young. And, uh, but he, he, he was there playing. And, and so what they want to do, and, and there's, there's about 100 kids every week that use these fields. And, and they fall into disrepair. Uh, one of them needs to be repaired. They need some TLC. They want to build another one because basically it's, a, a, it's an orange uh, snow fence with a couple of bases. And, and, and uh, it's rough. They, they got a $5,000 grant from the Minnesota Twins, um, but they needed some more money. They needed, you know, anywhere from three to $6,000 more. And, and I know I didn't have three to $6,000 more. Anybody else that wanna give three, wants to give three to 6000 You know what the good news is? You don't have to because we already have it. You gave it last month you, or last fall. You already gave it. So... We were, able to, we were able to say, you know what, we've got $3,000 that we can invest in this project, but we got more than that. We have people, because that's what they really needed. Now, <laughs> faith is stepping out before you got everything figured out. We're like, Pastor John and I, like, we got people. And I'm like, do we? <laughs> you sure we got people? <laughs> well, I think we got people. But here's the good news. The people that we need are seated right next to you. They're seated on the other side of you. In fact, they're seated right where you're seated. <laughs> now, that's one project, and that's going to be a tough project. It's an all-day project. It's going to be a lot of work. There's another project. We're, we're going to put a shine on a park in, in St. Cloud, and, and uh, you know that's basically some painting and some fixing and some doing some stuff. Uh, we're asking everybody to wear a, a, a serve day. It has joy on the back and a serve day T-shirt. And there's a lot of great things that are going to happen and that can happen. Uh, but it's going to happen when we're all working together, when we're all serving together. And, and the, the heart of... of joy to the world, the heart of really what I want us to, to embrace is that we can do more than I can. We, the body of Christ, can always do more than one person can. In the words of Jesus, and we talked about this in the Living Beyond series about bearing fruit, <clears throat> we can bear more fruit than I can. Amen? I can do so much, but we can do much more. I want to go back to John 15 and, and, and a couple of things that, that I want to... Uh, point out. In John 15, 7 and 8, we read these verses. This is from the Passion Translation. It says, if you live in life union with me and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. A lot of Christians stop there. 
Okay, I got to get the word in me. I need to ask in faith, and then it's going to be done. But I, I, I want you to notice that Jesus didn't stop there. He was issuing a challenge. And he wants you to understand that the more, the it will be done was for a purpose. It was for a reason. He went on in verse 8, when your lives, when your lives, when your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you're my disciples who glorify my Father. When your lives begin to bear fruit, it is demonstration of something happening. It is demonstration that there was a seed that was planted your step, your action. When there's a harvest, every harvest starts with a seed. You get that? That's how the kingdom of God works. If you want to glorify the Father, then you need to bear fruit. But if you're going to bear fruit, you need to plant some seed. And if we're going to plant seed, then we need to expect a harvest. I fully expect a harvest to show up in this church. I fully expect God to do what he said that he would do. And, I, I, you know, it matters. What we do beyond the doors of this church matters. What we do in the name of Christ matters. What we do for other people matters. It might be a seed and it might seem small, but it matters and it is important towards the process of harvest in our lives, but harvest in the body of Christ and in the kingdom of God that in turn brings glory to God. I don't know if you realize this or not, but life's not just about you. And we preach a lot about this. We talk a lot about this. We want you to get past your habits and your hurts and your hangups and the stuff of the past. We want you to get past those things. We want you to get through those things and get over those things. We preach and teach a lot of times because it's about you, but it's not about you only. You get a harvest. Why? So that you can share that harvest with other people. It's what the more is for. Ultimately, there's a divine plan and reason of what God's doing in your life. <clears throat> and if we can get this one truth, John 15, 11 says this. My purpose, he just said in 7 and 8, you know, uh, he had talked about planting seeds and getting a harvest and bearing fruit for the kingdom of God and all of those things he talked about. Love, this is my commandment, you love one another. And then he said in verse 11, my purpose for telling you these things. My purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. He's not telling us to do these things out of blind obedience. He's not telling us to do these things out of obligation to God and all of these other things. It's not because you feel guilty. He's telling us to do these things because if we will do them, something's going to happen in us. You may have heard the phrase, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Something will happen in you and something will happen in me and something will happen in we when we serve God together and we do more than what I could do. Jesus said, how many of you believe Jesus? Jesus said, if you bear fruit, I'm telling you this right now, Jesus said, he's kind of what he, I'm telling you right now, if you bear fruit, the same joy that I have right now, you're going to have as well. You see, that's the eternal side. That's the, that's the God side that many times, oftentimes, that we really miss. You know, I, I think that some people think that real joy, true joy, is having all my bills paid. Or, or it's the right address, the right job, the right career, the right relationship, the right this, the right that. Jesus said real joy, true joy, real life happens when you bear fruit. 
You've taken steps to plant seeds. You've allowed that seed to grow. And as that seed grows, there's going to be a harvest. And when that harvest happens, and, and in the next couple of weeks we'll talk about some of these things, but I, I feel like this is living beyond. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 again. We walk by faith, not by what we see with our eyes, and we tend to value this life and what we see with our eyes as the greatest. We, we, we tend to value this as all, this, this is all there is, but this is just temporary. This is just a moment, this life. And some of your harvest may show up not in this life, but in the life that's to come. Amen? Because it's those things that you do for Christ that matters. It's those things you do for Christ that bears fruit. Praise God. Amen. I want to, one more seed planting harvest thing. Pastor Tim and Teresa, would you guys come? I want to show you this quick congregation at Joy. So Pastor Tim and Teresa, they've, how long have you guys been here? 100 years, the whole time? Nearly 24 years. These guys have been planting seeds in the hearts and lives of our young people. Praise God. And, and it's a faith venture. I mean, you know. We used to say, you know, Pastor Tim, Pastor Tim came when he was good looking and I had hair. And, uh, you know, I mean, you look back at those pictures from 20-some years ago. Oh, my goodness gracious. Great balls of fire. Hallelujah. Uh, and we appreciate so much what, what they have done in this church, what they do in this church. And literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of seeds have been planted in the hearts and lives of children. And, and, and it's been incredible to watch those kids grow up. And, and I think that sometimes in a church we think that a person is, is truly fulfilled and truly done a lot of great things if they go into ministry. But, but I think that ministry is not a vocation. It is a calling. And you can be in ministry regardless of where you are. If You can be in ministry if you're going to school. You can be in ministry if you're in business. You can be in ministry if you're a doctor, a dentist, a lawyer, a teacher, a nurse, whatever it might be. You can be in ministry. And there are kids that have had a foundation built into their heart and life because of them. Steph, would you come? I want to continue this illustration. Steph, come here. You can bring your husband with you if you'd like. Andrew, you can come. One of the, one of the upsides and downsides of being married to somebody in ministry. You guys have been married, what, now about six weeks, seven weeks? Seven weeks. How's married life? Awesome, oh, so it's going great. Good answer. Actually, the answer in church is Jesus. <laughs> and thankfully, it's like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> sort of a thing. Now, Pastor Jim and Teresa have sown, sown seed into, into Steph's life. And, and, and uh, uh, you know, she grew up in ministry here at Joy. Obviously, you were, what, three years old when you started attending this church, and, uh, which was when we started attending this church. And... Um, and, and so we've seen, seen growth in her life. We've seen harvest. We've seen things. And so I, I see seed being planted. I see harvest in their life. And the reason that I brought these guys up here is because, uh, uh, and, and really this thing is because Pastor Tim and Teresa will be stepping away from children's ministry here at Joy. And uh, so uh, I'll let you absorb that for just a moment. They're not going anywhere. They're still here at Joy. They'll be on staff. And Pastor Tim will be, amen, it's, it's a good thing. All right. Praise God. Uh, but Pastor Tim and Teresa are going to be turning the keys of children's ministry over to Steph. And uh, Steph has... Um, <laughs> not sure what all that means exactly. Um, you know, we said the opposite of faith is having everything figured out. We ain't got it all figured out. I'm just telling you right now. Uh, we don't know exactly how all of these things... I, I prayed this. I know, 
I know what needs to happen, just not exactly sure how it needs to happen. And so we're, we're still praying through that. And, and, and as an illustration, I have this other chair, and this empty chair represents a seed of faith because Steph is going to be turning the keys of creative arts slash worship ministry over to this person over here. Now, the seed is planted and it grows up day and night. We don't even see anything happening, but we believe it's growing. Amen? Don't know how everything's going to happen, but it's going to happen. And so, uh, to, to, to just sort of share, thank you, Pastor Tim and Teresa. They will be turning the keys over to Steph. Steph will be turning the keys over to our project of faith and believing God. You might well, when is this going to happen? It's going to happen right over here. <laughs> nothing, everything changes, but nothing changes. Um, and, and, and really, it's, it's a part of, I believe it's a part of the, the plan of God, the growth of this church, the tra- trajectory of this church. We ask you to continue to just believe God with us. Um, I have said often, I think a year ago when we were, before we were going on sabbatical, um, my heart's desire is that this church outlasts me. If this church doesn't outlast me, then I've failed as a leader. I've failed as a pastor because ultimately this is God's church. Amen? Amen? It's God's church. Not my church, not anybody's church. It's God's church. I have a responsibility just like these folks have a responsibility. So I I, I would appreciate a couple of things. Number one, uh, just continue to believe God with us. Continue to pray. Change is never comfortable for a church, particularly change like this. This This is probably I'm not sure, but it's probably the biggest change that we have ever had as a church. Um, you know, many of you are, you know, you and, actually we have kids here that have kids in children's ministry who grew up here. And, and you know, and so uh, that's, that's a tremendous legacy of longevity and faith that Pastor Tim and Teresa have, have sown into this congregation. And um, Steph has become the face of what worship at Joy is. And uh, any time, and we've done, had this transition a few times, any time we change that face, there are people who are like, it's not the same. Nope, it's not the same. I don't like it. And then after about a year, that person becomes the right way to do worship at Joy. So give it a chance. Give it. There are people here, some of you don't even know that I used to lead worship, and there are people here who are like, yeah, I wish you would lead worship still. You know, there's like three of us left. So anyway, Pastor Tim, would you, anything you want to say? You know, I, I told Pastor Brian, I'm just going to be very brief in this. Uh, Whenever yes, somebody says they're going to be brief. I really will. I promise. <laughs> if I've learned anything in the last, well, never mind. I read somewhere that, that change is the bridge to the future, and I truly believe that with my whole heart. And I said this to our group of kids the other night after VBA because we gave them advance warning uh, of what was coming today, and, uh, and I told them, you know, how excited we are that, that Stephanie, who, who grew up in our ministry, I said, I can think of nobody on earth I'd rather see come in and take what we have and continue on with what she has because she knows so many more things. She went to the same school that her mom and dad went to, the one that Teresa and I went to. And it's been our honor and privilege to serve here, like I said, for nearly 24 years. And I, I, I told a few people, I said, well, you know, it's a natural order of things, you know, as you get older and you, you let the younger generation work with the younger generation. But uh, the, the Lord arrested me on that. And he said, son, it's the supernatural order of things. So when he told me that, it's all good. I'm a crier, so I'm going to keep this real short. Um, <laughs> it has been, like, here we go. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, 
nobody loves these people more than I do. Whew. They gave me a spot to cut my teeth. In ministry, they taught me it was okay to fail. And they gave me a safe place to do it. And those of you who don't know, children's ministry has been my heart forever. And um, God's finally said it's time. So I'm excited and I will honor them. And I'm excited. Let's go with that. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> uh, I'm gonna... Joy, I'm going to ask you to stand up and uh, stretch your hands this way or heavenward, one or the other. Um, the Bible tells us in Psalm 23 that sheep like still waters. And we sometimes don't dictate how still the waters are. And we get nervous when it doesn't seem like everything is calm. I don't want that to be a, the case of this church at all. God's got this. And we appreciate so much what God has done in this church. And so uh, I, I want us, and, and before we pray, I'm going to ask you to do one other thing. And that other thing is, shh, we have a second service. Please don't call, text, Facebook, social media, whatever is going on. Uh, uh, wait until like after 1230. <laughs> if you feel so inclined or you need to talk to somebody, please let us share with the second congregation, uh, uh, you know, what's happening here. And, and uh, if you would help us with that, we would appreciate that. But I want you to pray with us. We're going to believe God together. Shell, would you come on up here with me? We so appreciate, Pastor. <laughs> Pastor Tim and Teresa, we appreciate you so much. What you've done, and when we sat in the parking lot by Crossroads at that Chinese restaurant that no longer exists <laughs> and talked for three hours, and uh, we thought Pastor Tim and Teresa would never come here. They're big fish. And uh, a week later, they're like, you know, can't get you guys off of our heart. And uh, God has put us together and and. You know, thank you so much. I, that seems so weak and small, uh, but thank you. Only heaven reveals what I think the fruit of your ministry truly, truly is. And Steph, I'm excited uh, for you. I'm excited for this step. Thank you for what you've done and where you've brought us stepping into a position maybe that you weren't exactly suited for, but you've done a great job. Thank you so much. And uh, the gift and anointing is evident in your life. And Andrew, welcome to ministry. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you this morning. Lord, first of all, we thank you. I thank you, Father, for Pastor Tim and Teresa. I thank you for the integrity, the faithfulness that you placed in his heart and that he's served you with and this church with. And, Father, I thank you that you continue to bless them. I thank you, Father, that you give them strength, that you give them creativity, that you give them wisdom. And, Father God, that you continue to, to use them in the ways that you have. And, Father, I thank you for Steph and for Andrew. I thank you for what you've begun in their lives. I thank you, Father, for the harvest in a sense, in, in one sense, but yet it's also a seed planting. And, Father, we... We look at with expectancy and excitement of what's going to happen in our children's ministry. And, Father, we place...
place that into your hands. And Father, for the unknown that we don't know, Father, for the person that I know that that is out there, that is searching, that is praying, that is wondering, we know, Heavenly Father, that there is a person that is ready. We don't see them. We don't understand how all of these things are going to happen. But Father, we're going to continue to walk by faith and not by sight. We're going to continue to believe you. And Father, we're not going to give place to anything else. We'll continue to water this crop, this seed with, with prayer and with faith and with believing. And we thank you for that in the mighty name of Jesus and everybody said, amen. Let's give Jesus a big praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, praise the Lord. You miss a Sunday, you miss a lot around here. God bless you, Joy. Thank you for coming this morning. We will see you next week. God bless.